Hebrews chapter 3, and I want to leave with you tonight verses 12 and 13. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. These verses, and indeed this chapter, tells us about the danger of departing. An evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now as we think upon this text, I want to first of all draw your attention to the people who are addressed, because it is very clearly marked out who is addressed. It's God's people. For it says, take heed, brethren, brethren. So these are believers. The apostle here in this epistle is not exhorting the outsiders. He is not so much evangelizing as exhorting and edifying the professing people of God. He's warning the saints when he says, take heed, brethren. Now there's no mistake what that term means. Because he's already used that word brethren several times in the opening chapters. It's not just that they are Paul's brethren. He's not just thinking of them as his brethren. He's thinking of them as Christ's brethren. Because you remember how he said that the Lord Jesus Christ is not ashamed to call them brethren in chapter 2. So the Savior refers to his people as brethren. The brethren of Christ. He's the elder brother redeemer. And believers are his brethren. And it was for the brethren that he was incarnate. That he was born. Because it says there, it behoved him in all things to be made like unto his brethren. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. He's been this for his brethren And so saints are partakers of this holy calling. And they're called holy brethren. And now the apostle is taking that word that he's already enlarged upon. And he's referring to the church, the Hebrew church here. And he's saying, take heed brethren. You for whom Christ came into the world. You for whom he was made a merciful and faithful high priest. You brethren, take heed. So he's addressing those who believe and confess Jesus Christ. And by calling them this, he's reminding them of Christ's love for them. You have such an elder brother. You have such a faithful high priest who's not ashamed to call you brother. You have a merciful redeemer. You have a a wonderful position in God's family. But take heed. You have a holy calling and a great position and privilege. But take heed. You're not beyond danger. Not even as Christians. It has to be stressed that not one saint is excluded. Because Paul says here, if any of you be hardened. In verse 13. 
lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. So he's, he's addressing all, lest there's one of you, amongst you all, you all have to take heed, lest there should be one or more. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Doesn't matter if you're bond or free. Doesn't matter if you've been recently brought to faith or you've been professing the faith for a long, long time. None of that really matters. What matters is that you take heed, lest any one of you have a, a, an evil heart of unbelief. So none of us are to think, oh, this is for him. Or this is for her. They could possibly have that heart. He could possibly have that heart. No, none of us are to think like that. We're to take heed unto ourselves. Any of us. To yourself. So the intent of Paul is to get all to say, this is a call to me. To me personally and individually as amongst the professing brethren of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is a call to me to take heed. And it is. So, so that is the, the people that are clearly addressed, all of you, if you're a Christian, you're addressed here. And if you're not a Christian, you're still, it's applicable to you. Because you are possessed by such a heart of wicked unbelief and are far from God and it's a, it's a call to you as well to think about your condition so in the context it is professing believers that are addressed but the call is beyond none of us in its entirety whenever we think about it the danger then secondly is referred to and clearly stated because this take heed implies a danger. Take heed, there's a danger, you see. And what is the danger? Well, the danger is declared at the end of verse 12. In departing from God. That's the danger. The danger is getting away from the Lord. Now, we're leaving aside the question of uh, can a true Christian really do that? Yes, a true Christian really can do that. To a greater or lesser degree. A, a, a believer can backslide. A believer can depart. And there are some who can utterly depart. Who, who have professed faith. Who maybe weren't true. And absolutely speaking, they, they can apostatize and utterly depart. So there are various degrees of departure from relative backsliding to the absolute and complete apostatizing. So departure is a question that none of us can leave out. That none of us can say, well, that's not my, my possibility. That's beyond me. None of us can think like that. Now, we, we do believe that true Christians will be preserved and persevere by the means of grace they shall overcome. However, warnings like this are the means of grace to all Christians so that they don't apostatize, so that they don't depart from the Lord. But what I'm saying is the danger is real. An evil heart of unbelief, it's a real danger for every one of us. It's not a possible danger, it's not imagined danger, 
It's a present danger, a present reality, this, this evil heart. So we're not to treat it as a danger that we are not in danger of. I mean, that's to deal unjustly with the scripture. Because obviously the apostle sees us in danger when he gives us this exhortation. It's real. We can never treat this, this here scripture as if it's not true and it doesn't apply to the people of God. It's only applied to some false professors among the people of God. That's not the way to deal with this text. That's not how the apostle is looking at it. He's looking at it as we're all in danger of this. Take heed, brethren. Departure from the living God. Let's think about that first of all. How dangerous that is. That should frighten us. To get away from the living God. That scary stuff. It ought to be. Every Christian ought to have a dread of that. To be getting further and further away from the living God. And so it is a frightening thing. And it is something that ought to be a great dread. Why does the apostle say a living God? Why does he not just say an evil thing to depart from God? But he says the living God. It's not just God. When we depart from God, it's not just God that we're departing from. It's the living God. What does that mean? He's the God that gives life. He's the God that has life. He's the God who made life and brought life into the world. He's the God who is the author of life and the preserver of life and that eternal life. And to leave God, to leave the living God, is to leave life and to enter into the realm of death. Death and destruction. That's why the apostle says the living God. If you leave the living God, you're going into the realm of death. You're going into the place of death and of darkness. To depart from God is death. And whenever Christians get away from God, their spiritual life begins to decay. And they begin to feel dead. And they deaden. And their graces deaden. And when an apostate gets away from God, like Judas Iscariot, he, he becomes dead. And he goes out into the death and into the darkness and into the despair of leaving the living God. So it's, it's frightening. And we should guard against everything that gets us further from God. Take heed. It's to leave life and to descend into death. That's what departure from God is. And that's really the problem with humankind because sinners are far off from God because of the fall. In the fall, men left God and departed from God and they are continuing in that departure further and further from God and they're deaf, they're dead in sin. You see, God did not create man far off and distant. That's what happened at the fall, the first sin was a first departure from God and men died. When Adam left God, he died. The day, the day you eat thereof, the day, that day you'll die. And he did die. He entered the realm of death when he left God. 
It brought death to him. And, and man needs converted. Needs to return. And that's where the gospel comes in. Because the sinner returns to the living God through Jesus Christ. To not have faith in Christ is to continue in the realm of death. And to cease believing in Christ is to, re- to return to death. So sin had dominion over man and he departed. And then unregenerate, that sin still has dominion. And they still continue afar off and they need to return. And this has happened from the womb for every one of us that were born in sin. From the womb man goes astray from God. Speaking lies, the Bible says. The believer, of course, he has returned to God through Jesus Christ. He has come to Christ and he's been reconciled to God and he has found life in his Saviour, Jesus Christ. And he knows where salvation lies in the Saviour and he, he cannot leave him and he, he dare not forsake him because he has this faith that does not allow him to, to leave the Saviour. But he has to guard and take heed that unbelief doesn't prevail even in his heart. As a Christian. So the Christian has come to the Saviour. He's come to this house that we were talking about. Into this house. The house of Christ. We're his house. And we've come to the water. The fountains of life. And the bread of life. And all that Christ is. In his house we find life. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the bread of life. He is the life himself. And Christians dare not leave that house. They, They dare not leave the Lord. Because he, he's the life. He's the life. And so they, they abide in his house of salvation. Because of that. But as Paul has been reminding us. From the Old Testament scriptures. There were those in the Old Testament times. Who, who left that house. Many of the Old Testament people of God. They had departed from the house. There was Israel of old who were not truly of Israel and they departed and they perished in the wilderness and they didn't enter in through unbelief and they died in their sins they left God and they didn't listen to the Lord and to his word and so at the Old Testament people of God many times they departed just listen to God himself when he, he reminds us of this Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 11 hath a nation changed their gods which are yet no gods But my people, my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. This is a terrible thing. This is a thing that you should be frightened at. This is a thing you should be terrified at. Be horribly afraid. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. The fountain of living waters. The fountain of life. They've forsaken me. The life-giving redeemer. The life-giving saviour who has given them the waters of salvation. The waters of cleansing. The waters of purifying. The waters of spiritual life. The only saviour. They've left me. They departed from me. And they hewed them out. Their own cisterns. Broken cisterns. 
which can't even hold water, which contain that which doesn't profit, and even what it does contain quickly seeps out and disappears and is unprofitable and unsatisfying and doesn't bring any life at all. It just brings the disappointment of despair and death. They've left me, the living God, for that. Now, if they did it in the Old Testament house, are they not capable of doing it in the New Testament house? This is what the Apostle is saying. This is why he's quoting the Old Testament. You take heed too, you're no different, brethren. And Jeremiah, he goes on to say, Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Therefore, see and know that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God. You see, departing from God, the danger that we're speaking about, in the Old Testament, God said, that's an evil thing. It's wicked. And he also says, it's a better thing. It's evil because it's ingratitude to God, it's unthankfulness to God, it's treating God with utter contempt, but it's also better because it's better for the sinner, it's better for the human heart, it has the bitterness of troubled soul and troubled conscience, it has the bitterness of stain of sin and guilt, it has the bitterness of death, it has the bitterness of facing the judgment seat of God without a saviour. It's better to leave the living God and the saviour Jesus Christ. And against that evil and that bitterness, the believer must guard himself. Now the unconverted sinner, you must know that to continue far off from God is the greatest sin and folly that you could possibly continue in. But it's an even greater folly of a person who has tasted something of the powers of the world to come should leave it all behind and forsake it. That's a greater folly. And it's against that danger that we have to take heed, brethren. Take heed. Don't forget this. So there's the danger. There is then this warning. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Because that's what makes you depart from God. This evil heart of unbelief that is within. So you have to be alert to this. Take heed. That means open your eyes. Perceive this truth. Be watchful. Be vigilant. You know when the alarm clock goes off. Your eyes are opened. And you're alert. This is an alarm clock. Calling you to have your eyes open. Don't be asleep in this matter. Have your eyes open and be fully alert. And this is a call to Christians, to brethren, to get their eyes opened and to be vigilant. Remember how the apostle said to the Thessalonians, let us not sleep. Don't sleep, brethren and sisters, as others are sleeping, but let us watch and be sober. Now we know that vigilance is a very important thing in the Christian life. And we're often exhorted to this watch. The Lord said watch. We're often exhorted to this matter of watchfulness by the word of God. It's very important. Especially against Satan. And the wickedness without us and about us. 
Because our adversary, like a roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may devour. So we have someone outside of us who is an adversary that we have to be vigilant against. But the apostle is not talking about someone outside of us. He's talking about something in us. Something close to us. Something near to us. Something that we cannot remove ourselves. He's talking about our heart. Within us. Take heed brethren. Lest there be in any of you. An evil heart. Of unbelief. This is something close. This is a danger that arises from within us. And you can't blame the devil on it. And the devil's not even mentioned in the context. Yes, the devil knows we have such sinful hearts. And he uses that. But the devil cannot overcome us without our own heart. The danger is within us. That's what I'm saying. You see, Satan is not omnipresent with all of us. He couldn't possibly be. Now, he's fast. I grant that. And he has plenty of demons all over the place. But he is not an omnipresent fool with us. Our heart is an omnipresent thing. In us, with us. Never leaves us. Never departs from us. Never far from us. Always here within. And we can't blame Satan and everything. At the end of the day, it's our own hearts. That is the problem. The apostle is not saying either... And I have to make this plain. That some of you might have evil hearts. But others don't. He is not implying. An unbelieving heart is only a possibility. The truth is. Congregation. We all have evil hearts. Every one of us. There's not just you know one or two amongst us. He's an evil heart. She's an evil heart. No we all have evil hearts. We're all sinners. That is why we have to exhort one another. Because we're all the same. This thing within us. It's not that we might get evil hearts. We already have sin in our hearts. There's no such a thing as a sinless heart in this world. Not even the best Christian and the holiest saint has a heart that is perfect in faith. The saint still has heart problems. Because the remnant of sin abides with us. This is why we have to take heed. None of us have a heart like Christ yet. And not until he appears at the end of the world shall we hope to have such a heart before then. That's why we have prayers in the Bible that remind us we still have the weeds in our heart. David says, create in me a clean heart. This is, this is the man after God's heart. And then he has to say, create in me a clean heart. The Apostle John says if we say we have no sin and he's talking about sin in the life and sin in the heart if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves the truth is not in us. This is a thing in us. Even in saying that we have no sin there's a very heart deceiving us in us. We're not having the truth in us because we would think that that we have no sin in our hearts. So we all have this sinful heart. Did not the Lord have to frequently say to his apostles and surely there's none of us that think we are any better than the apostles of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And yet he had to say to them at times, have you no faith? Where is your faith? Oh, you have little faith. They weren't perfect in faith. 
They had to battle this matter too of unbelief. This heart of unbelief becoming dominant. Becoming into a place of holding the sway and the majesty over the life. They were concerned about it. They prayed, Lord, increase our faith. So it is a real problem. None of us are beyond the danger of an evil heart of unbelief. We all have it, but the danger is that it will become dominant. It will become major. And it will become to make us careless. And become hardened. And insensitive and sin will begin to multiply and we get further and further away from God all the while we're professing the gospel. Take heed, the apostle says, lest this evil heart should get the victory. Take heed that it doesn't cause you to apostatize and leave the Lord. Now observe that the dominating thing about this evil heart that causes departure from God is unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief. He doesn't say an evil heart of lust. An evil heart of pride. Or an evil heart of arrogance. All of those are terrible evils. But the thing that is really making people to wickedly depart from God. Is a heart of unbelief. Because if you have no faith. You're not coming to the fountain. You're not confessing your sins. You're not bringing your heart all the time to the Lord. You're not crying unto Him. You're not praying to Him. You're not keeping on believing in Jesus. Which is a vital thing. It's the evil heart of unbelief that causes all that to stop. And the departure further and further away from the Savior. It's that that you are to guard against. Unbelief. And unbelief is the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the absence of faith. The converse of a heart of unbelief is a heart of faith. The the apostle is speaking negatively, but he's implying positively. In other words, take heed that you have a heart of faith that cleaves to the Lord, that holds fast to God and doesn't let him go. Take heed that you have that kind of heart. No matter what problems in life, no matter your sins and failures, No matter how the opposition of Satan and even of your own heart is. But take heed that you have the faith to always be coming to the Savior in confession of sin and in belief in his atoning blood. So faith is very important. To give you an illustration of the converse of this. You remember how Barnabas was sent to Antioch. And it says when he saw the grace of God in the people of God there he was glad. And then he exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they should cleave unto the Lord. They should cling to the Savior with purpose of heart. He exhorted them to do that. To keep holding on to Christ. To keep holding on to the Savior with a purpose of heart. That's the opposite of this. So take heed that you don't have that. That you're not clinging to Christ. Take heed brethren. Lest there be such a heart of dominating unbelief. That you are negligent of such a redeemer. So that's what the believer is to do. Not departing but clinging, cleaving. Holding on to the Lord. That's the vital thing. Keep on trusting in Jesus Christ. 
Keep on coming to him for forgiveness. Keep on depending on him as your priest and your prophet, your merciful redeemer, who you can always come to and being in Christ and clinging to Christ. You're in the realm of life near to the living God. This is what the apostle is saying. So don't cease your faith in Christ. You must maintain your faith in his word. Because that's what belief is. It just believes the Bible. just believes what God says. See, that's the problem with the ungodly, isn't it? They don't believe the Bible. They don't believe that sin deserves God's wrath. They don't believe that to be guilty in one point of breaking the laws, to be guilty of all, and to be under the condemnation of a holy God. They don't believe that. They don't believe in hell. They don't believe that they need a saviour. And that's why they, they don't come to Christ and they carry on the way that they do because they have no fear, no dread, because they have no faith, they don't believe. And the child of God must never get into that place where he ceases believing these things. A man professing faith departs from God. It must be because he is no longer believing these things. If he stops believing that one sin deserves God's wrath, if he stops feeling his need of a saviour, he may become careless. He may become hardened. Yeah, he will become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. This is what his warning is against. He may let sin in and it may harden him. Make him insensitive to his need of forgiveness. Make him careless. Make him say, oh, tomorrow I'll deal with the sin. Tomorrow I'll deal with that. Tomorrow I'll change. Tomorrow I'll get closer to the Lord. Tomorrow I'll sort it all out. Tomorrow never comes. It's the next day. It's the next day. It's the next day. And through the deceitfulness of sin, one by one, little sins or big sins coming in one by one, coming in hardening his heart. And he's far off from God. He hasn't kept short accounts. He hasn't listened to this word. Today, now, confess your sin. Now, seek cleansing. Now get to the Lord to deal with the matter. And don't let the sins multiply and increase. Lest you be hardened by the sin, the deceit. That's how sin is deceitful, you see. It hardens you. Makes you insensitive and unconcerned. And you, you just go through the Christian life in a whole pretense. Oh, take heed, brethren. Lest there be in any of us an evil heart dominating unbelief. There is a means of help that is referred to in the text very quickly. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. You see this word daily? Today, now, every day. You need the exhortation. You see, the only way we can take heed and combat this matter is by the means of grace. And the greatest means of grace is the word of God. Uh, that's what it means by exhorting. With the word. Ex exhorting one another with the word of God. Stirring each other's hearts up. And of course you need the exhortation. He exhorted them all that with purpose of heart. They should cleave unto the Lord. Barnabas used the only means of preserving the saints. Preaching. That's why you need preaching people of God. That's why this epistle was written. It's a sermon that was written down for the Hebrews. You need the proclamation of the word. You need the exhortation of holy scriptures. 
You need to exhort yourself as well. You need to apply the word to yourself. And you need to exhort one another constantly to guard against this. Whenever you see coldness coming or any kind of strain from the Lord or any kind of indifference arising up in your mind about the things of God or any kind of unconcern about the word or the means of grace and the Lord's table and all of these things that are so important to the Christian who is so close to the Lord. We have to guard against these things when we find ourselves wandering further from that place. Oh, don't get far from the Lord, people of God. Don't let your heart be hardened through all the things around you pouring into your heart. Take heed. Stay close to the Savior. Say every day, keep me near the cross. Pray to the Lord Jesus daily and say, Lord, keep me by your grace and keep me close to you and overcome everything that would be a hindrance to our communion together. Take the little foxes that that spoil the vines and ruin the fruit. Stay close to Jesus. Keep on believing.